welcome, my lords, to the White City, where you will learn more about Middle-earth and discover differences and similarities between the Rings of Power show and Tolkien's books, and whether Amazon's show, episode by episode, is worth watching. I'm Philip Dutt, your host, and I'll be joined by Matt Vandevoort and Mark Schaefer. I hope you enjoy. Well, guys, welcome, and just watched episode seven now of the Rings of Power show. Let's just talk about the show for a bit. And Spoiler alert, the Balrog had wings. Don't watch it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, apparently there's a yeah. big debate over whether Balrog should I have, have wings. I have very strong so. opinions about Balrog yeah. wings. Is that something that's is it not really like mentioned it's either way. It's well, it... it's mentioned both ways. It's the thing, sort of. Off to a real early start with the tangent here, but uh, Balrogs in the Lord of the Rings in the passage where they're in Moria, it mentions something about like shadowy wings or like shadows like wings coming out of the Balrog, and then a few lines down, it mentions wings stretching from like one half, like one side of the room to the other. And the big debate is: Are they real wings or are they the shadow wings? And then in the Silmarillion, during the fall of Gondolin, uh, the Balrogs ride dragons, which at this point cannot fly, over the mountains into Gondolin, into the the valley where Gondolin is, to sack the city. And it's like, why would the winged Balrogs ride wingless dragons over mountains when they could just fly? So I am firmly in camp. Balrogs have no wings. Interesting. I gotcha. We were kind of like I think talking about this during the show during the episode how you know, they, the Harfoots have this very you know clan mentality and it's kind of funny how like they let like the one group is left behind for like most of their journey. Yeah, yeah. It seems like they have this um like they have this very much. It was in the first episodes. It was like oh we're like this tight knit group who always sticks by each other. And then it was like, oh, if you fall behind, like we're leaving you for dead, right? And then yeah. a few episodes later, it was like, oh, we're gonna like take off people's like that. We need to take off our wheels, yeah. so we leave them all the way behind. And it was like, it's got like very dark, very fast. And maybe that's like part of their arc as like a people. And now they're like, oh, we gotta be true to ourselves and stick by right. each other, yeah. and that's encouraging. Um, the youngest Hobbit, whose name is exp- escaping me right now, Nori. Nori, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Nori to go find this stranger and help him out. Maybe it's like the yeah. arc of their people, but it definitely has been an up and down sort of journey. As a mm-hmm. what's her last? Yeah. Is it? Isn't her last name like Brandyfoot or something? Yes. Yeah, yes. Sort of sounds like Brandy Buck. It's definitely gonna be yeah. a Brandy Buck. Yeah, that I just made line. that connection. That's yeah. definitely gonna be like, oh, they're Brandy Bucks, but they're ancestors. Yeah. And it's interesting that, I don't know, it's, yeah, Nori is the very nosy one. Yeah, I think they're trying to make a character who's kind of like a Baggins, in a way. Yeah. You know, always getting into trouble. Yeah, um, yeah, Well, I mean, not exactly Baggins, I guess. Yeah, yeah, like, Not, not, that, that'd uh, be like the that reputation ones. wasn't always or that Or the, um, the, I guess the Brandy Bucks or the, the Tooks. Tooks, right, yeah. Yeah. They should just meet a Took somewhere. That'd be cool. Yeah, but try to make it seem like some like these could be some of the ancestors of the Hobbits. Sauron is a tuck. right, right. <laughs> and actually, it's very interesting that like if it's the the more wild Hobbits, like so multiple peoples come together to form the Shire. Yeah. So if the wandering nomads were like the ones who ended up being the more adventurous Hobbits, that'd make a lot of sense actually. Um, so that are the ones who always are sort of have a hankering for adventure I, in the I Hobbit. I think there's the rings. 
there is something in the intro to the Lord of the Rings or the appendices where it talks about the different like strains of Hobbit where there's there's the Harfoots is one of them I think and there's like the I'm getting my D&D and Lord of the Rings terms mixed <laughs> up but th- there are different like strains of Hobbit where like the Tooks and the Brandy Bucks being the more adventurous ones do have more of one particular uh you know, mm. bloodline of Hobbit in them that leads to them being more adventurous. So I, I think you're right. There, There is something to that. Yeah, I, I looked it up after one of the first episodes of like, oh, like, where's like the origin of Hobbits? And yeah, there's like four or five Hobbit peoples that yeah. come together to form the Shire. And one of them is like the Harfoots, who is a nomadic people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like kudos on them for the show for getting that 100% right. So, right. So. Is, do they name what Smeagol was? Do they... Do they name like he was with this particular group? I of believe them? so. I believe one of them was a like a water dweller. Yeah, by the rivers, one of them was the water, and the that rivers. was one of them. I forget their names, but they're not the Harfoots. Okay, they're another one. Okay, um, but why some hobbits eventually like are more water like or will take yeah. to the water more? Yeah, um, yeah, right. Yeah, unlike Frodo's parents who end up drowning. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, rip and... Frodo's parents. Never forget. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny that like everyone has like this like my like Batman like my my parents were killed by like this like that's like Frodo like my parents just like drowned in a river like right it's like sort to of... be fair that is the Hobbit equivalent of my parents were killed it <laughs> was fair. my that's parents fair. died during a very domestic activity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. then you got Sam. He almost drowned. That's true. Yeah, that a lot of Hobbits don't know how to swim. So yeah, um... all the hair on their feet. Too much drag. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, this is interesting. So in in Moria, we got um, Elrond and Durin's character, uh, car- you know, a relationship that I think is pretty cool, and kind of like a situation of loyalty there. Um, whether Durin is going to be loyal to, you know, an elf that dwarves don't really like, or if he yeah. is going to be loyal to his father. Um, so, oh, I you know I thought that was a, was a cool dynamic that they put in there. Yeah. Um, I think that they're that the Elrond endurance relationship is pretty, pretty neat, and how they've built the, that. The one thing that I kind of it it it's it's not that big of a deal to me, but it is a little bit like from a storytelling perspective, it's kind of annoying. Is that um, they just kind of told us that they're like, oh yeah, Elrond endurance best friends go way back and it's like it's not really established to my knowledge in the lore that specifically Elrond and Durin were these close friends and they don't really tell us why Elrond and Durin are close friends mm-hmm. so it's it's kind of it's kind of hard not not like this is really nitpicky but it's it's kind of hard to buy this like Durin would do anything specifically for Elrond because right. they just kind of tell us like yeah Elrond and Durin were friends way back, and then Elrond didn't talk to him for 20 years, but they made up, and it's fine. It's interesting that, um, like, that's one thing that I think the average fan who is watching this isn't really, like, knowledgeable in the lore. So they's watching it, they wouldn't, like, know that there was even, like, a beef between elves and dwarves, you know? Yeah. So they're just like, oh, this is, you know, this is great. And I think that way, too, of a lot of different... Um, 
things that are in the show. Yeah. Yeah. I see what you're saying, Matt. Um, I will say, I feel like we, we have had some good moments of like them just like saying, oh, yeah. talking and joking and stuff. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah. I was like, we sort of see a little bit of the friendship, like I definitely displayed, s- even if it's not like it was starting. Like off, they but. definitely see it. They, they're definitely displaying that there is a friendship there. But even, like, some reference to, like, oh, yeah, we used to, you know, go adventuring in the forests and the mountains, or we used to do this, or we, like, remember when we used to, like, have these long debates, like, it's just a little bit, I think, for a show that is so sort of based around and dependent on, like, um, legacy and... Uh, sort of the passage of time and things like that that are some of the themes not strong themes but some of the themes that are there it's a little bit strange that they're just sort of like here this is a friendship that exists and not even like a mm-hmm. slight mention of how it formed yeah. yeah they could have had like um like a prelude scene or something to like them meeting or becoming yeah. friends for the first time yeah or yeah or even like um even like they could have had something along the lines of like when he comes to dinner the first time uh have duran's wife asks like so how did you two meet or something like that. like they yeah. could have done something like that i don't know yeah i will but say that's I, a real nitpick for me I, it's not like it's a major issue for me at all <laughs> i also i really like the friendship in that like we have like gimli and legolas obviously in the main yeah. trilogy but yeah. they're sort of like they never really run into a lot of other elves and dwarves so they're very much like we sort of treat them as like the epitome of elves and dwarves but this relationship we really see that um like they have to struggle with like who their people are and their like relatives on both yeah. sides. So it's really cool that we see like, oh, it's not just about like them being friends, but they're also sort of torn between their own respective worlds, which we don't yeah. really get that feeling and it, with like Loss and Gimli in the story. And it's really cool to see. I think so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess uh, something that stood out to me um, about um, so Galadriel's talking to Theo and she brings up like this thing about like oh like it's bad to call like dark deeds good um and actually was referring that to just killing orcs um yeah. which i'd be like it's like kind of interesting that she would call that a bad thing necessarily since orcs are generally evil but i guess killing yeah in that sense um was maybe what she's talking about yeah i definitely leaned more towards the like i think it, it shows two things one i think it shows that like galadriel doesn't want to be this sort of killer that she is um because she accepts that like even if you're killing something bad like there is still evil in the fact that you're having to kill it at all um but i also think from an in-show perspective it really is i think it shows that adar got to her like he sort of she's now wrestling with the fact that like he's like oh you're just as brutal and savage as i am um, because you're just here, you know, being so fueled by vengeance, which I think that, again, this is another sort of very obscure thing that people have parsed out that I don't even know if it necessarily, I don't know that it isn't, but I don't know if it necessarily was Tolkien's intention, but there is the line about during the Battle of the Last Alliance, um, it says that the only people that did not have fighters on both sides was the elves, which when you really read it, implies there were some orcs who were fighting against Sauron. Um, I don't know if they're going... Like, that's so obscure that I kind of doubt that they would pull something like that. But it would be an interesting 
plot line maybe plot line to have Adar eventually kind of not really be a good guy like I, I don't think they're going to do this by any means I still think that Adar is actually working for Sauron secretly and yeah. lied about killing him um because like come on he's 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 a proto orc arguably he's not even that great of an orc like how I don't think that they're actually going to have him believe that he killed Sauron. Um, but it would be interesting if they did have him come around and be like, hey, we, like, I'm actually going to, uh, you know, fight against this guy because he seems to, if he is being genuine, he seems to just want a homeland for the orcs. Yeah. And so it would be an interesting plot point for him to come around. And so I think that they might be playing off of that a little bit and that Galadriel mm-hmm. might be questioning whether or not, like, oh, I've been taking out my hatred of Sauron on the orcs. Is it, like, should I be doing this? And even though, like, I think she's... I don't think they're going to have a scene where she's just like, no, I refuse to fight them. But, yeah. like, I think she is kind of accepting that it is war and war is terrible. And... um not that you should, you know, be a pacifist necessarily and be like, I'm not going to fight, but just sort of accept that, yeah, I'm going to do this because I have to, but it's not something that I'm going to revel in and it's not something that I'm going to, like, say, oh, I'm so glad that I'm doing this. So It reminded me a lot of um, The Hobbit where Bilbo doesn't end up killing Gollum. It's like this act of yeah. mercy. <clears throat> And goodness, and it's like really contrasted with a lot of, um, you know, a lot of other people who are like uh, killing people. But like Golem is not much better than like an orc in this, like the Hobbit. Especially like you don't figure out that he's really like a corrupted Hobbit until later on. He's yeah. sort of this creature, and yet Bilbo spares him. Um, and sort of so it's like really is like a, a Tolkien theme to like bring it up here. I will say it's a pretty big turnaround from last episode, Galadriel being like, "I'm gonna hunt down and kill every last orc yeah. in front of you before killing you." So you can, and mm. then now it's mm-hmm. like oh, we shouldn't call, like, our, like, killing things anybody bad or something, yeah. so. Because I, th- mm-hmm. I think that between when she said that and when she's talking to Theo, that moment when he's just like, look, I don't think I'm the only elf that's been corrupted here. Like, that's the moment where she's like, oh, dang, maybe he's right. Like, I'm not going to admit it to his face, but maybe he actually has a point about I've gone a little bit too far. So I think that's sort of what it is. And I think also it is a very... Tolkien theme because I mean you have a lot of his war sort of the, a lot of the aspects of the war that he has come from his experience in World War One, where it's very much not a good guys versus bad guys thing especially like on the ground in the trenches it's much more a well I'm here because I've been put through bad circumstances and bad things have happened and they're also here and but we still are having to fight each other, but we're not going to revel in it. So, yeah, I think also that war always has a cost, right? Like, and yeah. and so that's sort of like, I mean, Frodo like ends up destroying the ring, and then like he's sort of interesting. If you like read the ending of the Return of the King after destroying the ring, like all the other hobbits are like hailed as heroes, except for Frodo, who's not because he had he's like sort of um, he's like lost something in the fight. Yeah, um, and so that like yes, maybe fighting is like the right thing to do, but it's like not always like. It's never like a noble thing yeah. to do, or it's yeah. not something that we should enjoy. Yeah, it has consequences. It's, I think it, it, yeah. it, so. it definitely goes with this sort of idea that like sometimes the best and right thing to do 
it's not always going to end up with and then everybody lived happily ever after like sometimes the thing you have to do will be something that is uh going to affect you and going to sort of have consequences for the rest of your life and you may struggle with it and you may wonder if you did the right thing but just because it was the right thing to do doesn't mean that it was I don't want to say it, it was a good thing to do, but it doesn't mean that it, it is something that, like, you're going to be able to, uh, you know, sleep well in your bed for the rest of your life sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. You may have to assassinate somebody at some time, you know. Dun, dun, yeah. dun. <laughs> I guess uh, let's talk about Sauron again. And They're all uh, Sauron. Everyone's right. Sauron. It's, you can't but, be wrong on that one. But uh-huh. seriously now, like, gun to your head each of you like i think we should all pick somebody in the show who's like sauron and then we gotta see when it when it okay i have my guy who i think is it sounds good phil who is it so i i do think it's the old guy and hearing what some other Mm. people have said like about like yeah you think it's a stranger yeah i think it's him just with like right because like sauron had like those healing abilities right yeah and i think because like people are like and, like, this one guy, I, truly, like, I don't, like, he hit it, like, almost, like, head on with with the um, the priests or whoever they are and the priestess. Yeah. Um, and he's like, oh, they're probably, like, Sauron's, like, priests Well, I don't know whoever. who else they could be. And then they're trying to find this guy who is Sauron to, like, you know, get him acquainted and, like, bring him back to things. And he's tall enough to be, like, Sauron in the full <laughs> armor. Well, we only see that because the perspective of the Hobbits. I think the only reason I don't think that is because um, the so Nazgul have to is? go around asking about Hobbits and stuff. I don't think that Sauron would, like, even if he just came down like that, I don't think he would give the Hobbits any mind at all like i don't think he would try to help them at all yeah um well it's interesting also to think like would that be like the i mean of course like this is more like fan fiction in the show but would that be like the way that sauron would come back after a defeat because it's well, not no, like he would actually he's, die he's not, he would just yeah, change he, form he's right? not out in space he's in middle earth somewhere yeah um yeah if i i, I don't know if i can pick one person i do I need to put a real gun to your head? Or, you uh, <laughs> um, no, I I think I don't know if we've met him yet. Hmm. I, I will I, I'll do this. I'll bring it down to two people because that's All about right. as well as I can do. Right. I think if it's somebody in the show, my main guess is that it's somebody that we don't know. If it, if it is somebody that's already showed up, I think it might be Adar. Or, the only other person that I kind of feel like it might be is uh, Hellebrand. Hellebrand. Because he is going to the elves, which means he might uh, talk with Celebrimbor. And they're gonna, he's gonna help him make the rings. Mm, that's actually really. So he's going to the right place, and then blacksmith too. Yeah, yeah. I hadn't thought about that, but you're right. <laughs> um. So he he's going to the elves, and so he might, they might put him into that uh, sort yeah. of category. And I think we'll find out next week. I think we'll definitely find out 
if we've seen Sauron at all next next yeah. episode. Yeah, next next well, week is the last episode, right? Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. hope they. I mean, if they don't bring him. Like they have to bring him up, and it's going to be like a yeah. cliffhanger almost yeah, for the yeah, yeah. second season to so, see what happens. I think, and then Halbrand might even end up going back with the Numenorians or something like that because he's already been to Numenor. I can't remember if in the books it talks about him going to Numenor before he gets captured, but I totally would believe that Sauron would go to Numenor at some point. Yeah. Um. So. If it's a character in the show, I think it's either Halbrand or I think it might be Adar just because he'd be lying to Galadriel um, about killing Sauron. Because there's, there's no way. There's, I mean, like, obviously that didn't happen because it's Sauron and it's yeah. the Rings of Power show. Like, we haven't made yeah. Rings of Power yet. Sauron can't be dead. Um, so either it's Adar... Or it's Halbrand. I, I kind of like the theory that it's Halbrand, which is a shame because I really like Halbrand. Um, I was saying my theories about Halbrand are either that he is the ancestor of the Rohirrim or he's Sauron. <laughs> um, ancestor of the Rohirrim. Um, because I think uh, if he's the ancestor of the Rohirrim, I think he's going to lead the people north eventually because the Rohirrim came from the north. Yeah. I actually, whenever you said that, like I had not even thought of that, and that's like that's a great theory that the remnants of the Southlanders will be the people of Rohan. Eventually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, I I think that Halbrand is, I I'm I want Halbrand to be the ancestor of the Rohirrim. I think it'd be really interesting if he was Sauron, but I I genuinely think that we either haven't seen him yet. Or he's like a random background character that yeah. will be like when it reveals it'll be like oh my goodness it makes so much sense but I I, I don't think we've met him yet because we haven't the other thing is we haven't been to the elf cities in a while mm-hmm. so I think we might meet Sauron when Halbrand gets to the elves with Galadriel and I, his might wait and then his name is. Anatar? 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 Yeah, the Lord of Gifts. Yeah. Yeah, so he so, might, yeah that'd be interesting if he does show up like that. Yeah. I'm I'm thinking that they get there and Galadriel is like, hey, I brought this guy, and then uh Elrond is and Celebrimbor are like, hey, well, you're back. That's weird. Also, look at our new friend we met. Um I I think that I I'm hoping the name Anatar comes up next week. It'll either be He's already there, or it'll be like, "Oh, Halbrand, you're showing us how to make these rings. We're gonna yeah. give you this title of Anatar," and it'll be like, "Oh no!" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, oh man, yeah. That's, but at this yeah. point, the other thing is, at this point, see, the thing about Halbrand being Sauron is that, like, he was he went AWOL for a while after the battle, like, mm. like, yeah, he says he was injured, but like. Maybe he was going and setting something up or talking with Adar or something like that. So, like, there, there's enough holes in his story that I could see him being Sauron or I could see it being a total red herring. Yeah. And after all, he is king of what... He is king of... The Southlands, which is not Mordor. Southlands burn out Mordor. Yeah, I, yeah, I guess it's my turn. So I have one that's different than all of your guys' guesses. I wow, think it's man. the white, 
She looks like a lady, but with the white lady <laughs> who's the high priestess or whatever her name is. But um, clearly in this episode, we saw she, was, she or he was a powerful magician. Also, Maiar are not really like men or women necessarily. At least yeah. I think that's what the show is going to portray it like. Okay. Um, and I think that they're going to be on the hunt for Gandalf because they realize or the character I think is Gandalf or one of the wizards and then they're going to try to kill him before he becomes a threat to them. Um, I think it's interesting because like we haven't seen that much magic in the show but the magic we have seen is like a single shockwave or something so that that, like fire move by her was really actually kind of a big deal um, and would be something of like a Sauron level. I also think it's interesting that um, the other villains in the show we've had so far like Adar are sort of a sympathetic villain I think the show is going to change things a lot and that it will make Sauron like the ultimate baddie with like no good in his yeah, soul or whatever. Yeah. And that fits the high priestess better. Um, and I think, yeah, I'd be very surprised, honestly, if it was like um, you guys mentioned Adar, Haldir or Halbrand, sorry, yeah. or um, Haldir, I say that, Halbrand or the stranger. Because I think both all those three characters have shown some good in them. Um and therefore, it would be very surprising to me. But we'll yeah. see. You know, yeah. time will tell which one of us is right. Yeah. So. This show doesn't seem to be the kind of show to do that big of a reveal. So, like, or that big of a twist. So, I, I, I really feel like if it's anybody, it is, I don't know. I feel like the white priest, priestess people, I feel like they're probably just cultists. Maybe. Um. So I gotta say, like, if if it is if it is because who Halbrand, are the other people following him around? That's right. The other thing. But they could be they could be the cultists and Sauron is the leader. That's but true. I will say, if it is Halbrand, I mean, we gotta like he saved Galadriel from the waves. And yeah, stuff, and, there's like, all these things. I he don't... almost didn't go back to the like the Mordor or whatever. Um, and it's the real question is is like can Sauron or, fake an injury like he did? I mean, he's but, also um, maybe he's faking the oh I don't want to go back. Maybe he's like I do. That's wanna... true. I, again, the one. I think Halbrand would be the most interesting one. I think Adar's the most likely one. If it's somebody that's already showed up. See, I feel I like think he's about as likely as the priest priestess. I feel like Adar they've already like, like Adar... always Sauron and then they like they poo-pooed that idea. So it'd be really weird if they brought it back. What if probably. Adar could like as like I mean, I guess maybe Sauron's ability to sh- to like shapeshift or whatever like decreases as he is like killed or defeated more. Mm. But if he could like Maybe he'll like show up in uh, Linden if he is Sauron, and he'll—I mean, not just like another speculation, but yeah. he heals Halbrand. That'd be interesting. Or he changes. He he like he changes kind of like the other thing if he heals he Halbrand. This could be like a real connection for like if Halbrand ends up being uh, uh, Nazgul, then it could be like, yeah. oh, like this is starts a friendship. Yeah. Or yeah. yeah. I also think that the other reason I think Adar might be Sauron is that Adar definitely has the look of how I feel like I've seen Sauron depicted when he's in his like beautiful elf form of not necessarily that Adar is a beautiful elf looking guy but I was the, like his scars all over his face, <laughs> yeah. the, I'm talking about like the exactly. narrow face yeah. and the long black hair is something that mm. I see fairly consistently I think with Sauron and it's yeah. definitely how I picture Sauron before you know metal spikes giant flaming eye all that sort of thing well, I think it's interesting, too, because obviously my guess, the High Priestess, they're, like, very much not going for, like, the subtle thing, right? Like, this is clearly a villain or whatever, and probably not looking very much like the Lord of Gifts, unless she, she or he shape changes afterwards. 
that would be a very interesting yeah. take on the Sauron during the Second Age. I so. definitely, I definitely think they're connected to Sauron. Like the staff that the one of them is carrying, it's like that looks like Barad-dûr. Yeah. <laughs> like, and that looks like a giant eye at the top. That's definitely connected to Sauron. Yep. They definitely look sus. If, if yeah. I can use that term. So. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they're gonna go yeah. to Mordor and stick the staff in the ground, and that's how the tower shows up. Dude, that'd be hilarious. Yeah. So yeah, Sauron has to appear next episode. I mean, if they don't, kinda... it will be a huge mistake for the show. They've really like they like build it up so yeah. much, and then they're not show. And here's like yeah. the thing that's like we started the show off like Sauron is out there somewhere. Gladwell's sure of it. They're like, there's no problem. But it's it's really weird to me how like is the darkness that like is taking over the elves like you know the elf tree is that like connected to Sauron specifically or not? It, and wait, very like, well. Continue, sorry. Well, I was going to say, like, <laughs> we've had this, like, very much, like, oh, Sauron is, like, this threat. But so far, like, we've had action in the show. We've had, like, Adar as, like, a stand-in villain. And, like, yeah, it feels like if they complete the season without showing Sauron, then it's, like, the show doesn't really need Sauron. We have, like, a Middle-earth without him that's, like, working fine. Um, I don't know. I guess if I thought, I thought they would tease him more in the episodes of, to... like, they would talk about him more, like, oh, we, like, need to catch on. But after the first yeah. few episodes, he's sort of not been talked about a whole lot, so. I think he's already in Linden. Hmm. I th- I genuinely think he's already there and working with Celebrimbor because um, one thing they brought up in this episode that I it just now thought of me is like, so in Linden, the trees are getting sick and the leaves are getting sick and there's all these things. Maybe Sauron's already there. Maybe Sauron's already there because Mirkwood becomes Mirkwood from Greenwood the Great when the Necromancer moves in to um. Doggle Door and the Necromancer is Sauron. Yeah. So... That might be a hint. I, I I think he's already there. I think that he helped Celebrimbor plan this tower thing. I think that he's been working in Linden behind the scenes. I'm wondering, he might be... Either he's one of the characters we saw like in the first episode, or we just haven't seen him yet, and it'll be revealed that he's been here the whole time. Maybe Celebrimbor is dead and Sauron is taking his place. Also, side note, did we see the tower completed at the end of the No, I think so. I think that they've yeah, they just have been doing the story with Elrond. Well, they were building it in one scene, right? Yeah. Um, But it's not necessarily completed. Right. And that might be in this next episode if they're going to like kind of pick up the speed with. Figuring out like that, there's somebody helping yeah. them with like the tower and gonna help them forge the rings. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, because I, yeah, I think he's already there. Um, because we haven't seen a lot of it, so they wouldn't have to like hide him or make him into a separate character. Uh, I do want to say it's like pretty crazy to me that like we've seen seven of the eight episodes of the first season, and every single one of us guessed a different character for Sauron. So that just yeah. shows how like yeah. Yeah, oh, I yeah, think yeah. they're they're doing a good job of keeping people oh, uh, yeah. interested. I, that, yeah, so. I I I still think he's gonna be a new character, but he's gonna be the barber for the elves. Gonna be the those terrible. <laughs> That's a true evil. There is a corrupting force in Middle Earth. <laughs> you can take and those evil haircuts barber. and throw them down with your winged Balrogs. Take that, Amazon. <laughs> Man, oh uh, yeah. Um. So I think what's what's interesting is how uh, Galadriel talks about her family. Mm. I know, like, cause, like some people have been bringing up how, like, you know, she's married and has a daughter at this point, and there's been like no mention of them at all. Um, and of course, at least she thinks that 
her husband Caliborn instead, which wow. may, could be or I mean, it, 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 it shouldn't be. Sauron. It shouldn't I be. But. I don't want to spoil anything, but I was looking through the cast list and I did see a character playing a certain Celebrimbor. So well, Celebrimbor is no, no, no. We're the, talking about Ke- well, Celeborn yeah, is Celeborn. Sorry, Celeborn, right? I could have sworn I saw. I a saw you pointed Celebrimbor out to me. Oh, uh, maybe I was so, wrong. Then. Let's, let, let's stop but. looking through the cast list, <laughs> dude. It's so long. But um, uh, yeah, sorry, I'm just kidding. He's not. I think, <laughs> I think it will be somebody in the. I think he'll come back. So. No, yeah, I no, yeah, like people were just <laughs> one of the people. We're just thinking how crazy it was that beginning. like they didn't talk about her family yet. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So well, it's interesting too. I mean, her daughter marries Elrond, so like, right. and is the mother of Arwen. So it's like, yeah, this is sort of like um, it's his family while or her family might while they might not be like front and center characters, they do have like a big impact yeah. on Middle Earth. So. And clearly, yeah. Caliborn isn't dead because he shows up in the Lord of the Rings. Yes. Well, right, Which, yeah. I mean, they can't, they cannot kill him off. Just well, they crazy, can. I mean, crazy fan fiction. There's well, that they would, well, there's right? two ways they could go about it. One, and I think this is what they're leaning on, is like she was like they put him in the armor and then I never saw him again, and it's just like. First rule of television, if you don't see somebody dead, they're not dead. <laughs> um, uh, but so either they could do that or they could go the route that elves can totally come back. But I don't think they'll do that because that totally undercuts her whole story of like, I just want to do this to avenge my brother. And it's just like your brother's not dead. Um, well, right, but they showed him dead. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, if, if they go with the rules that elves oh, can, they come, can back, come back, it's just like Valinor. there's no point in yeah. her being this upset. Right. Well, so it's interesting because like it seems like he's been dead for a long time. So the real question is like if he wasn't dead, like where is he? Yeah. Um. But I, I guess like I really hope he's alive because he's if they made Sauron. Galadriel just like this, um, this like super like uh, vengeful character, it just doesn't really fit with who she is in Tolkien's work. Bad um, elf. Bad elf. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. That's what she is, right? Like, um, yeah. and that's just not who she is. And so I really hope they bring him bring her husband back and you know give her sort of the life that she has in the rest yeah, of the, a little the bit more redeeming aspect yeah. yeah yeah and like make her you know the high elf queen sorceress and not like the yeah. Yeah. vengeful warrior sort of deal as yeah. more her shtick in the um, story so. speaking of characters that are totally dead um isildur is somewhere <laughs> yes he just somewhere. hasn't showed up so that'll be an interesting the horse is gonna like just like aragorn the horse yeah the, you know, the they're horse definitely is gonna find them that. and yeah. then he's they're gonna come back and he's that. gonna tell them about all the orcs that are ten thousand strong at least or he's also gonna turn down uh a certain girl's wishes because he's in love with a elf lady it's it's gonna happen um i think so yeah yeah mm. i think i wonder yeah. and then his dwarf and elf buddies are gonna welcome him back sorry i don't know <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so <laughs> what they could do is leave it a mystery eight mystery um as to whether or not he survived until the next season to allow his brother who we have not seen yet um to come in and play a, a slightly more important role because i'm, I'm kind of surprised they have not had Whoa. him at all because so, he is the ancestor of aragorn is silder aragorn is a silder's heir but is silder's nephew is the one that goes off and becomes king in uh, okay. Arnor, I think. I got you. I thought it was. This also has one youngest, like has like five sons or something, and the youngest son is the one. The youngest son, Aragorn's descendant. No, 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 no. I, well, I could be confused, but I'm pretty sure that Isildur's. Isildur is not Aragorn's ancestor. Direct line, yeah. Isildur oh, was the, the. I'm pretty sure he is, but I can look it up. Isildur is the one that his his descendants become kings of Gondor. 
but his nephew is the one that goes up to Arnor and becomes king after uh, Elendil. Um, I, I I could be wrong on this. I could be very wrong on this, but I am pretty let's look sure it up, because that this is this is a really important Isildur question. Isildur is not because um, it because they they never call Aragorn Isildur's son or Isildur's descendant. They call him Isildur's heir, which doesn't have to be a blood descendant. But he says the same blood runs through my veins. Which yeah, sort of but he is still um, in a way family. To, to, to just like flip quick, I just have the interesting idea. Like if Isildur makes it out of Mordor, which obviously he will. Like, what if while Halbrand is gone, there's, like, no one really leading the people? Like, what if he, like, founds Gondor and right. stays to the coast? Because they, they probably le- they leave for Numenor, right? And Maybe. then he's still there. So he has to do... He's going to do something they did there. mention They did mention in one episode that he likes the mountains, which is where he founds Minas Ithil. So I like that. But I also... I don't think they'd have them found Minas Ithil before Minas Anor because they're, like, twin cities. And so the first, okay. the first major city that's founded in Gondor is Osgiliath. Okay. And then they go and found Minas Ithil and Minas Anor, okay. um, which then Minas Ithil becomes Minas Morgul and Minas Anor becomes Minas Tirith. So All I right. don't that that would be a cool concept, but I kind of don't think they're gonna do that. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like it'd be kind of lame for them to set up Halbrand as this mighty king of the Southlands who's coming back and is the king who was promised and all this. Um. And then just have then just be like, oh, a Sildur's gonna do it now. I mean, no, yeah, no, I like like, Halbrand, but (laughs) yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm thinking more of for like the Numenorean side of things. Um, I mean, I guess they're 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 showing that there aren't any more Numenorians there. That's kind of what they're giving off. Maybe I mean, they maybe there are there because they should be setting up along the coast and whatnot. Yeah, because well, there's a Numenorean colony that they talk about. Um, oh, at Pelagir, Pel- which I th- okay, yeah. I believe, no, Pelagir is different. Pelagir is not Umbar. Umbar is farther south because Pelagir, because there's like, oh man, I just completely remembered something. So in the books, there's the Prince of Dol Amroth, who's like this other Gondorian nobleman from a city down by the coast who comes back, and they mention that he's like part Elven. Yeah, actually, I just looked it up. Pelagir is not Umbar. It's the greatest port of Gondor. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So this yeah. seems like they will and be And, like, the people. Bay of Belfalis or something? Like, the... But you're right. The, a super, actually, important character in the books who's, like, not at all in the movies. Yeah, not at all in the movies. character who brings the most men to Gondor yeah. to defend it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To so he... I'm just remembering now... Oh, man, now that I'm thinking about this, I was going to go... I, for the longest time, I was going with the angle of, like, I don't like that they're doing this elf human relationship because there's only supposed to be three oh. but i just remembered that the prince of dol amroth is supposedly part elf and so there's gotta be more that's actually really interesting i never thought of that yeah so okay there's gotta be more of them yeah because that's uh that's kind of like closer to the at least coast, i think right? he's like half elvish he's at least Gondor. described as like people part suspect elvish, that right. he's part elvish or something like that so maybe there are more half elves running around middle earth than i Interesting. Originally thought. Hmm. So, uh, so actually, I looked it up. Aragorn is related to both Anarion and Isildur because uh, apparently, after 
22 generations, a descendant of Benarian married a descendant of Isildur. Okay. But is, is <laughs> but, it the uh, main line through Anarian? Uh, I think the main line is through Isildur. It says that he's the direct descendant of Valendil, Isildur's youngest son, who escaped okay. the disaster of the Gladden Fields. Okay, but, um, I was wrong. Yeah. I knew there was so something... Has, Valendil, Valendil, who's like That's the name of the right. character in the show, right? Who might end up dying eventually, and then Isildur would name his youngest son after him. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I mean, no spoiler alerts, right? Yeah. Unless you've so, watched the movies anyways <laughs> yeah okay so the, okay yeah I've... so it says here aragorn is the 39th heir of Isildur, related to him through direct bloodline stemming from Isildur's son Velendil, the only son that survived the gladden fields that's right the because... bloodline went in unbroken succession from father to son so. okay that's right. so uh, was the Sildur's descendants on both gondor and arnor's thrones uh or... yes okay Gondor We've got a pretty big side job, but it was an important one. But, yeah. You know, yeah, people you were asking people, people the don't disaster even know of the Gladden right Fields was when a Sildur gets attacked by the orcs and yeah. loses the One Ring and dies in the river. That's Gladden Fields. Okay, That's the yeah. Disaster right. of Fields. So actually, a ton yeah. of people get killed there, including several Sildur's relatives, but his youngest son escapes Valendil. Yeah. I wonder how, yeah. like, is that supposed to be planned by the orcs or something? They are going after the ring. Um, I don't think they're going after the ring. I think the ring sort of influences a Sildur to go there because the ring. The ring is... always like calls people. Yeah. But yeah. Okay. So because the orcs, I think the orcs just want to kill a Sildur because they don't like. There's no mention of the orcs like searching for the ring. Yeah. Um, and then the I wonder. I was just wondering. Do we know how long the ring was in the river before? It was thousands oh. of years. I think three thousand years, maybe. Well, was it three thousand years? It was. It was. There's like a, the third there, age is like four thousand years. There's a specific amount of time, I think. But um, because Gollum also has it for like a thousand years as well, right? So or five hundred years or something. So a long time as well. I feel like it's longer than that. Because how how old is the well, shot? Well, yeah. Let's internet, look this up. Internet come to us. Uh, let's use the power of technology. See, I feel like I'm losing. I, I feel like I lost nerd cred by forgetting that Aragorn was a direct. Oh no, Sildur, you're fine. But also, Dude. then gained it by remembering Dol Amroth was a thing. <laughs> yeah, that'd be super. Like, if they made that, actually, like that would be that would be crazy. Like, I'd be okay with that. The only reason that would be weird is that then, if if they had a kid together, that the kid would have to marry a Numenorian. Yeah. Um, but that could totally happen. Oh, I see. You're like that'd so be that cool. The Knight of Dol Amroth would be would be half elvish and uh, the heir of like Bronwyn, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And interesting. Aaron Deer. Though Aaron I want to say that there's a Ron- yeah, Ron- Ron- Deer, yeah. Ron- I want to say that there's actually now you've just like oh and opened like a memory I didn't know I had. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I want to say that there's actually a story where like the one of the kings of Dolarmurth or whatever yeah, yeah. meets a woman elf woman in the middle of the night and then like they have a child and then she like to, leaves right after to be so fair like left with just to be child. fair but 2000 like, years is how long it was in the river I'm okay sorry. okay so Pretty to be fair too. most <laughs> a significant portion of tolkien's love stories involve a man and a woman meeting in the middle of the night in the <laughs> woods yes, by accident man. a little uh, so like little uh, steam yeah. i'm trying to think i think turin does that at one point i know that's how baron and luthien meet mm-hmm. um i think that's how aragorn and arwen meet uh the first time they meet is in lothlorien like it's in lothlorien uh, but i it's think it's woods. at night in the woods <laughs> so that's funny maybe that's my problem yeah. maybe we need to go walk Dude, around the woods yeah. at night 
<laughs> cut that out cut that out yeah. uh, sorry you, there was too much talking string yeah. together we can't remove that yeah. <laughs> and if and if you see any girls walking around the woods at night be sure to approach them very creepily as much as <laughs> also it's, it's completely silent like all of these are just like uh, man elf silence walk towards each other oh, man. usually the guy like goes insane for a few months yeah yeah uh, Man, Tolkien's so formulaic. <laughs> <laughs> so a couple of things about... Because um, I guess you could you could call like Tolkien's world kind of a monotheistic world in a lot of ways. Not yes, that, like... and no. <laughs> right, because not... No, I actually say 100% yes. I mean, you yes. think so? Because it's like Iluvatar started everything. Yeah, and all the other ones are sort of treated as like angels yeah. and things like that. What is interesting is like, he's, like, Iluvatar is never mentioned in the show yet, I don't think. He, they have the rights to Iluvatar. They, yeah, he was uh, mentioned. They... Really? Uh, the, he says the, uh, uh, Adar says we are all children of the one which is yeah that's Tara true Ilipatar. right but like they don't actually use his name no yeah, yeah but, yeah. but that's well, a clear reference that's yeah, a clear reference okay. because Eru is referred to in the books as the one so yeah, yeah. that is okay. that's a pretty pretty much as direct as you can get without using okay. his name right yeah but I mean of course like most people watching the show probably wouldn't know and so there's that a lot of references to, like the different, I don't know, you Valar. Valar, right? Yeah. It is Valar. Okay, different Valar. A lot who, of references to Daewule. Yeah, because he's he's basically like the, the father dwarven. Of the he's, he created the dwarves. Yeah, created the dwarves. So they reference him a lot. Fun fact: before the elves showed up, but the dwarves had to sit in mountains sleeping. The seven fathers of the dwarves. So technically, the dwarves are the eldest race. Because they even predate the Ents, because the Ents were created basically by by um, uh, Yavana. Yavana, yeah. because she finds out that Aule made the dwarves, and she's just like, "Well, I want children now." Well, and, she's afraid that yeah, she's afraid that the dwarves will and nature will be yeah. not be protected. So she's um, like, uh, "So then she creates the Ents. with Iluvatar's uh, blessing, she creates the Ents, and Manwe creates the giant eagles." Um, but the first ones to show up are the the not the orcs the dwarves. Hmm. So the dwarves are actually like the eldest of all. Creatures. Okay. Yeah. That's I are, thought the uh, elves were. But the elves are the elder children of Iluvatar, and they're the first ones to actually like get to go out and explore. Right. Right. Um, or be before the men. By Valar, so yeah. who like wait? Maybe. So then who like created men then? Iluvatar. The Iluvatar. Two, the two children of okay. men are elves and men. Okay. And, uh, yeah. Okay. And Iluvatar also gives his blessing to the dwarves, even though Aule yeah, is does. the one who creates them. Aule yeah. is about to destroy them, and then Iluvatar is just like. But, yeah. <laughs> your question, yeah. that, like, is it monotheistic? Yeah. And the reason I said yes is because it is very clear that Iluvatar is yes. um, all powerful, and that, like, he. Um, in the very original story, Melkor, the guy who becomes Morgoth, the ultimate yeah. baddie, is like trying to play a, a discordant tune yeah. to Elivatar's yeah. music, and he yeah. incorporates it in his own music. So it's clear that he is sovereign in some sense, right. and so that everything yeah. that is happens in Middle Earth is sort of meant to happen by yeah. his power. I would, yeah. The, re- the references to like the good force that is something that work is like for yeah. good is usually referenced to him. Yeah, so. and so the only reason that I, I mean, I think that is like the logic by with which the world works, and I think that in like the truest form it is a monotheistic uh yeah. world the only reason i say yes and no is because you also have the Maiar and the valar sort of 
working as sort of uh in in like intermediate powers that Mm -hmm. in the sort of grand scheme from the reader's perspective they are sort of treated as like angelic beings you're right but very much from like if you're not you know an elf or from Numenor or something like that you very much would see them as the gods yeah um Mm-hmm. at work yeah so that's sort of why it's a yes and no even though in the truest sense of it it is a monotheistic society yeah. and not to go off of too much of a tangent but that's it is what this very show. related to like genesis in a way and yeah. satan oh you yeah know, oh, turning absolutely. and doing his own thing basically right yeah. oh yeah so yeah it is very clear that that yeah. is and uh it says so, so something interesting about tolkien's theology and that Melkor tries to create his own tune, and yet Iluvatar incorporates it into his yes. own tune. So, yeah. sort of how Tolkien answers the problem of evil and how does evil exist, and inside the will of God and stuff like that. Yeah, so, the yeah, one thing that evil cannot do is create by itself. Mm-hmm. It can only corrupt, and it can only pervert, and it can only take what is good and turn it into a mockery of itself. So that's why you yeah. have the orcs are a mockery of the elves and. I read somewhere that like trolls are probably like a mockery of the Ents and things that's in like the that. two towers. Whenever it's something Treebeard says, he's oh, like whenever he's right, talking Mary right. Pippin, yeah, yeah. he's like, you know how orcs were created in mockery of elves, and sort of his like comments like we're like much stronger than trolls. Right. And so yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Sort of, like yeah, yeah. they just like wreck yeah. them or thank or whatever. Which it also um, makes sense. I mean, all of Morgoth's creatures despise sunlight, but it makes sense <clears> that the orcs would have or the trolls would have a stronger reaction to it and turn to stone. Because, like, a tree, you think about it, a tree needs sunlight to survive. Yeah. So a troll cannot have sunlight. Or well, it... it's also interesting because, um, yeah, this is a tangent. And I do want to get back to the Elevatar. Yeah. But um, yeah. it's, it's interesting because in the movies, ants are portrayed as walking trees. And actually, in the Lord of the Rings, they're, they're very tree-like, but they're actually more, like, troll-like creatures um, who are, like, have bark and, and like plants growing on them and stuff so they look like walking trees yeah. but they're really more like ants or they're more like trolls but um, like back ants. to your <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah but back to your point is that um also how the melkor is trying to create his own discordant tune within his Uru Ilovatar's music and he ends up turning it to good so that sort of like the idea is like evil if you like the reason evil exists is because in the end it will mean something we get something better and more good yeah, yeah. in the end um and so the idea is that that's like a very christian idea and mm-hmm. is throughout Tolkien's work so yeah um something else is in uh galadriel and theo's conversation where like you know theo saying hey i like i did this with like the mountain corrupting like you know erupting and all and then Roger's like no you didn't but and he's like, it's, you know, it's all part of the design that, like, yeah, you know, you yeah. don't have to feel like you're, like, you know, taking responsibility of this. And then he responds with, wait, how is that still design if it's, like, how am I supposed to get over it if that's, like, yeah. still part of the design of things? Um, yeah. Problem of evil, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think it was really interesting, too, because um, <laughs> a lot of times um, in Tolkien's work, it's, like, something bad happens to you or something a difficult thing is thrown your way so like when Frodo gets the ring he's like I wish I'd never had this and, and uh, Gandalf is like this was meant to happen right, right. Yeah. and that's but, exactly what I was like thinking yeah, yeah. about in that I think scene this was an interesting difference because it's not like this like Theo does something 
like bad maybe and it's not in the same way that like Frodo this like sort of responsibility is thrust upon him whereas it's something that Theo does um and I, I still think I think the theme fits both yeah. ways it's just a sort yeah. of it's interesting switch of the theme of like um not only is it the things that happen to us but the things that we do are also things that work together for good as well yeah um yeah, yeah. that's good um As we kind of talked about the Balrog, but we can yeah let's go more, oh, let's go more into that that thing yeah let's uh, with its stupid wings <laughs> yeah so all right they went so going oh. I just like more of a backstory right I don't know if we talked about it before but like the Balrogs right are basically Melkor's like response to the Astari in some way, mm, or because no, no, because no, the Astari aren't there for Melkor. They're not. They come specifically to oppose Sauron. So, okay, so the Balrogs okay. were like his bodyguards, basically. Like they were his elite guards. They are less authoritative than, but not really under the power of, and so on the same level as Sauron in like the hierarchy of Morgoth and Melkor. Where they are, like his Melkor's chief lieutenants were Gothmog, the captain of the Balrogs, and Sauron. So, um, like the Balrog in the Lord of the Rings, isn't working for Sauron. It's just there as like okay. a natural disaster. Um, okay. They were also servants of Aule. Um, I think most of them are implied to be servants of Aule because they're spirits of fire. That turned over to Melkor's side because a lot of his like Saruman, Sauron, the Balrogs all originated as Maiar of Aule because Aule and Morgoth were both predisposed towards like crafting and creating things and so it was very easy for him to pull from the Aule's servants by okay, being yeah. like hey come do what you like but more powerful for me, and so it's interesting. Sorry, yeah, you finished. Oh uh, yeah, so yeah, so they're they're not they are in it for themselves at this point. The reason that Durin's bane is under Moria is because at the end of the Silmarillion, when the Valar come back and wreck house and completely destroy Morgoth and his armies, the remaining Balrogs that aren't dead flee, and basically hide as far under the earth as they can get to uh, get away from the power of the Valar. Yeah. And so they are... Yeah, so that's why it's deep under these massive mountains is because it wants to put as much distance and material between it and the things that, you know, can actually hurt it. Yeah. And so that's why the battle in... Or the fight in Moria between Gandalf and the Balrog, it's not just old wizard fighting big fire monster it is this is an angel fighting a fallen angel and they are going all at it so yeah 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 uh um yeah they're both on the same level it's interesting because uh whenever like uh so there's like the two kinds of angels in tolkien's word like the Valar, are the greater ones and the Maiar are the lesser ones but um yeah the Maiar, the bogs are like the Maiar that ended up leaving with morgoth um and they but they've also left like a long time ago, and so whenever Gandalf and the other wizards come over, they're like sort of more recent, and therefore they're yeah. like 
by this time it seems like Balrogs are very different than the rest of the Maiar because they've been yes. corrupted yeah. for so long. Okay. Um, but originally they were sort of two kindred spirits, yeah. Yeah. Um, the Maiar and the Balrogs. So. The, the other thing that I'd say about the depiction, other than the wings, <laughs> is that while the uh, depiction of the Balrogs in The Lord of the Rings... Uh, movies and now in the show are very similar and very cool. I will fully state that like Balrogs are terrifying and very cool to see on screen. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's a very accurate depiction of how they're described in the books. Um, they're more described as like again, it's been a while since I've read them, but I want to say that like in the the Silmarillion, they're kind of described as like vaguely humanoid shaped vacuums of fire sort of like no yeah like they're the very humanoid aspect is really important yeah, they're like it, monsters but like um evil wizard monsters yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. they're they're very much it's very much like a i've always sort of well not always i once i got into it i kind of started to picture them less as terrifying and also very cool like flying fire demon monsters yeah um but much more like it's a it, kind of the best depiction of it in the Lord of the Rings is that scene in The Hobbit where they're in Dagaldur and you see Sauron like zooming up and stuff and it's just kind of this shadowy darkness with a vaguely humanoid shaped fiery thing in the middle with smoke billowing out of it. That's kind of how I picture the Balrogs to be is they are these the, the name means spirit of fire and it's literally like a spirit made of okay. fire and smoke that is coming to ruin your day. So not as physical. Not as physical. Okay. Um. Yeah, because like in the movies, they're very much portrayed as like a physical entity, and um, yeah, I, I've always pictured it very much more as like an ethereal, spiritual, and not like blight. as mindless. I don't know. Sometimes you whenever you yeah, see like a ram's like, horn, it seems like it's just like this. Like it's not a mindless beast. monster. It's not a um, beast. It is very much a an intelligent being that wants to yeah. kill you. I think also that like uh, it's never stated explicitly but there is talk of like so Sauron was like the reason one of the reasons that Gandalf wanted and the Hobbit wanted them to kill Smog or get rid of Smog is because they were afraid that Sauron would use Smog to sort of control that part of Middle Earth. Yeah. I believe there's something similar set out the Bullrog that even though he's not like working for Sauron in a yeah, way. Yeah, Sauron yeah, yeah. is still using him there to control that part of Middle Earth. Yeah. It's definitely um, not bad for Sauron that his old coworker is, there, is right. sitting in the most impenetrable dwarven fortress. Yeah. <coughs> There's maybe too much of a tangent, but I, I was gonna say it whenever you said about like how a bunch of Ale's servants joined Morgoth as well as like Sauron was like originally in Saruman. Um, but also, like, Fenor is also, like, sort of a, yeah. the darkest of the elves in yeah. terms of, like, um, but just this idea, that, like, in Tolkien's idea, like, this act of creation is, like, maybe the most, yeah. the best, but also the one that brings you closest to evil in terms yes. of, like, you become selfish and jealous of other people's work, and you become uh, wanting to keep your own work yeah. safe, which I guess is actually Hence, jealous, envious of other people's mm-hmm. work. Hence but, um, the portrayal creators. and the description that I've given Feanor a lot of. Feanor right. is the best elf, and also the worst elf. <laughs> like, it's very yeah. much that um, sort of depiction and attitude of you can create things for the glory of, in Tolkien's world, for the glory of uh, Eru, and uh, to, to 
help others or you can create things to be a monument to your own uh arrogance and uh both of those things can be very impressive but it's very easy to corrupt that sort of uh creative um instinct which is why i think in a lot of ways morgoth and Aule and them are sort of portrayed as almost the closest to Iluvatar himself because his great deed was the creation of the world and they want to create something not to contribute to his glory but to rival it Mm -hmm. and (coughs) overtake it which is the thing that is wrong and the thing that is uh, corrupting and terrible in this world is that they're trying to reach beyond their station and all of the that's why Aule felt shame at the creation of the dwarves is because he felt that he'd overstepped his bounds. Um, but because he showed contriteness and sorrow over it, genuine sorrow over it, uh, Iluvatar allowed the dwarves to continue. Um, but Fanor never does anything humbly at all. Um, and Morgoth explicitly, the like, from, like, almost the time he was created right before the beginning of the music of the Einar, like it's during that first great act that he's doing that he immediately almost immediately tries to pull people over to his side and create his own thing and it's sort of implied that he and not even implied, I think it's stated like when he's not singing and when he's not doing that he is wandering the void trying to find the spark of creation so that he can do his own thing yeah so yeah um, you know real quick like is Fenor somehow related to Galadriel yes their nephew or niece uncle yeah she's his half niece half niece yes okay half niece um yes so there's a connection there yeah Wait, were you going to say something here? Oh, I was going to go back to the question of the Balrog. Maybe okay, yeah, yeah, we go ahead. got yep. all sidetracked and that was my fault. But it was a good sidetrack because it does tell you a lot about Tolkien's world. We only have good sidetracks. Right, <laughs> yeah. But um, I think it's, well, I was going to say, this storyline is really interesting. So the elves are like all dying and they need the dwarves to mine the mithril um, to save them. And it's really interesting because in the, the books and the movies, it's implied that the dwarves were mining for their own greed and selfishness. This is what caused them to wake the Borog, and this is like sort of the sin of the dwarves, is like their greed. The men desire power, and elves are like attached to their beauty, but the dwarves like sin is greed. Um, and this, it seems like a lot more selfless in that they want to save the elves as another mining for their own wealth or power or to create their own things. It's a very selfless act that they're rousing the Borogs. It's a very interesting change if this is, if the story continues like it seems like it's going to um so yeah this whole like storyline of the dwarves like trying to save the elves but end up waking up the balrog is a big change um i don't know how i feel about it yet how do you guys feel about it uh i don't know i don't really have an opinion on it yet i think that it's i i because they haven't started mining yet Mm -hmm. i think they can still definitely go with the um like because a lot of what the dwarves do starts out with good intentions and then their greed corrupts it. So I definitely think they could still go in the direction of, um, like, cause like right now they're kind of leaning on the dwarves are stubborn aspect of it. Um, yeah. which I think they can, <laughs> 
so the wait. one thing that can overcome dwarven stubbornness is dwarven greed and yeah. so i i think they can definitely and you get a bit of that with um like i i think i definitely got some of that with prince Doran talking to his father saying just look at it yep. just look at it it's not at that point in that moment it's not hey we found it we can save the elves it's Look at how much of this stuff there is. We can do this. Yeah, and it just like it shines. Yeah. Well, and that it's ending, shiny. like I gotta say, like the ending with Diza and Durin talking, and she's like, "You will be king of the mountain, yeah, and we'll yeah, remake yeah. this like mountain to be what we want it to be, or something." It's not like we're like Star Wars, like come with me and we'll rule the galaxy, <laughs> sure. Lady Macbeth, uh, right? But, Join um, me and we can rule Scotland. As- <laughs> But like definitely like a darker turn towards the end of the episode, um, which was really interesting. But yeah, also, um, Matt, I don't know how your dwarven lineage is, but is it is it just the father Durin that will die whenever the Borog wakes up, or is it I, both of them? Because that is, would be very interesting if it ends up being a while. I Elrond's friend Durin's death. I think Durin the Fourth is the one that dies. To- Durin's bane and Got she him. calls him Durin the fourth so I am pretty sure that um so this may be like very Durin... sad if like him and Diesel go out fighting the Borog or something but yeah sad but kind of cool yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but yeah, well, let's see. Got... I want to see some dwarves in action, man. Dude, that's a good Dude. point. You know, we've like, seen give some, me some like you know, we've axe seen some throwing, elvish and... acrobatics, and some manly deeds. Yeah, just but, the king. Uh, uh, yeah, it's gonna be down the ground there below. The we also have the other uh, old theatrical the uh, my phone print. <laughs> yeah, hey, do it. More power to you, man. I I don't know, like the dwarf, like the, it's, it's in funny, the like it's in the appendices. I can find it. The, it's so funny, like, whenever people talk about, like, I'm pretty good with, like, elven, high elven lineage and stuff. But, like, dude, whenever it's, like, dwarves, it's, like, there's lots of Durins in there, and that's about Durin's it, I know. Folk. I know, like, there's, like, a Thurin, a Thorin, Oakenshield is, like, the, yeah. the Hobbit, and then he has, like, a father, I think, Thrain, but well, like, yeah, it's tricky. Because... Yeah. Let's buy time while Matt looks it up. Well, yeah, you, when you go to, well, I mean, <laughs> the only, see. like, lineage tree I've ever it's, seen is in the back of the Silmarillion. When they well, show you that doesn't talk about the dwarves. Where they show you like the just, like the men and like the half elvens and how they yeah. are and basically like Aragorns and Arwen's Elrond, yeah. And, yeah. Or their uh, Technically ancestors. Aragorn is related to Arwen. It's like kind of incest, even though it's like by like twenty lines back or um, hundred yeah, it's like more it's like fifty lines back. But um, Well yeah, because they're great 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 great. great yeah. like, Don't ever say that anyone's telling you on the cradle if she's not a thousand years old and he's only like eighty seven. <laughs> let's so. see, let's see. So this starts with Durin the Fourth, um, who, let's see, um, five times in the an heir was born to the house. So like his first father is blah blah. blah. But like, could we even like I don't know? Um, would it be too crazy to think that there was like a dwarven like coup where like Durin the Fourth takes over and mines for the Mithril and maybe ends up like not just doing it for Elrond but doing it for himself and for Diza and stuff. Yeah, and, and then they leading to their doom. Yeah. Um, this was like that's a very interesting theory, but that sort of was a really dark ending with him and Deza talking that yeah. made me think that that might be where they're going. Um, yeah. So. But I gotta say, okay. I'll say it again. This I love this like the the Elrond and Durin storyline. It's got to be my favorite so yeah. far. Um, it was interesting because like the Harfoots, like there have been some good moments with them, but there's just like it feels like there's just a little bit of burning time in some ways. Like there's not a lot of progress that happens with them, and it just has started to be my least favorite storyline. So it's sort mm-hmm. of interesting that like. We yeah. got like my best and my least favorite storylines a lot yeah. more here. Um, hmm. But yeah. Yeah, it's. 
It'd be interesting. I mean, I guess they're with the Harfoots, they're doing a pretty good job of the, paralleling like the Shire. Yeah, and you get like a lot of this and, Hobbit culture. Yeah. Uh, I think which is really good. I think that uh, the story is like sort it's, of hard to hard time progressing during the sixth. The Balrog doesn't show up till the middle of the Third Age. Weird. So well. So it's not. Uh, it's not any of the characters we've met so far. So wait, what if like what if wow. like the Balrog just doesn't show up in the show which, at all? <laughs> which means that technically speaking, I mean, if they're gonna mess that up, no. <laughs> um, so in this, in in the back of the Return of the King, the line of the dwarves starts during the Deathless, is the original Durin, mm-hmm. and then it skips a bunch of generations and goes immediately to Durin the Sixth. So technically speaking, the Durin the fourth and Durin the third that we have in the show are completely made up characters. Yeah. Hmm. Technically, those are original characters to the show, That's other really than the name. I'm going to look it up just really quick here. Yeah, you look it up I wonder cool. if... Because uh... Durin the sixth doesn't rule until... Because it says that... It, it mentions explicitly in the appendices that Moria survives Sauron, survives the dark years of Sauron, and it's not until way later in the Third Age that another Durin is born, mm. and he delves too deep. Um, which I'm wondering. I bet you they're gonna change that because yeah. Yeah. which there's. I gotta say there is a part of me that's like the the lore sensitive part of me is like no, don't change it. And then there's another part of me that's just like I cool. totally want to see yeah. Moria get wrecked by a Balrog. No, yeah, <laughs> you're right. It's Durin the Third and Durin the Fourth of the two Durins that are in the show. Which is very interesting. um, Which also, it's confusing because in the book, it says, during the Deathless, and then after during the Deathless, five more Durins that were, five more dwarves were born to him that were so liked him that they named him Durin. And then later, it's like, and then a sixth one was born. (coughs) So, in the timeline, so there's during the Deathless, the original one, Mm -hmm. way back, early summer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Then, then, I... If I'm reading this right, then there's Durin the first, who, um, so Durin the Deathless is born in, uh, Gundabad, which later becomes like a stronghold of orcs and stuff. But mm-hmm. he was not born, but he was laid to sleep. He he awoke in Gundabad. Then, uh, if I'm reading this right, he goes down and founds Moria. Um, then later there's Durin the first. And then Doran the second at some point, and then there's Doran the third, who's the guy on the throne in the show, and then his son Doran the fourth. So yeah, so these are all made up characters. Well, yeah. So let, now the other question is, what is my Hobbit knowledge like? But Thorin has a father whose name is Thrain, I believe. Thrain, yeah. And Thrain's father is Doran the sixth. No, 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 no. Thrain's father. The the whole line is in in here. Um, Got it. But because it's, it's interesting that like if we still have like several generations of dwarves between us, like dwarves live for hundreds of years. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got so they've lots like of really messed up the dwarf lineage timeline. Um, here we go. Sort of yeah. Stuff. So these are all. Um, I believe Thrain the first is the one that founds um, Erebor. Erebor. Yeah. That. Uh, no, foundation of Erebor is nine. 1999. So there. is a 90s kid. <laughs> so there weren't any Durans after Durin the sixth. There is one during the seventh crazy. and later. So, oh, like, just but like, he's like a king of Moria again just, later or something like that. Just to kind of like think about the fact that like Tolkien went into the detail. It was like 
I knew that, like, the elven line was pretty well, like, you know, charted out, but then, like, to have the dwarven line as well. Oh, family like, trees are that's, so much fun to make. That's just, that's crazy. And they had, like, detail at the end, like, oh, this happened here. So you could, like, you know, yeah. connect it with it's, this dwarf well, here. It's, it's just, because it's Tolkien crazy. wasn't an author. He was a world builder and a, he was a language creator who then built a world around it. Who then was like, hey, maybe people would be interested in stories said here. That's, so, uh, yeah, I just no, think I, that's just yeah, crazy, as no, you know. Yeah, it definitely isn't that, like, a lot of, I mean, you read any fantasy literature, and it's like, it's interesting because, like, they'll they'll come up with, like, cool settings, right, and stuff, and, like, cool, like, oh, like, look at this. But, like, it's all about, like, how it impacts their characters. Like, Tolkien was just like, I'm gonna, like, <laughs> yeah. create this entire world, and, like... You know, maybe they'd be like some fun stories. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, it's yeah. like it's not even like about the like. Oh, <laughs> let me like, so cool. let yeah. me like, you know, make my world be like. Oh, like the water is all black there or something. I don't know, right? Like, yeah, to, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That characters can swim, and I, I don't know, dumb stuff like that that fantasy authors do, and that he like, it's like, wow, yeah. I'm just gonna like build this entire world. Yeah, it's definitely one of the coolest. To be fair, he world. did name seven of the dwarves Durin. <laughs> so, <laughs> but they like naming their yeah. their their. It was during, I during the second age. People named James. Right, yeah. <laughs> Anyways. All right, well, hopefully there are things here that uh, new viewers can learn about. Um, well, the backstories to characters and what's coming next. Um, so, yeah, thanks for uh, tuning in, and uh, we'll catch you guys for the eighth and the uh, final, final episode. episode. Dun, dun, All right. Dun, 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 Thank you. Dun, dun. <laughs> Thanks for visiting the White City. Before you leave, please subscribe to our podcast and check us out at thewhitecitypodcast.com. Consider supporting my movement on Facebook, keeping the rings of power pure.